He is risen. All right, let's do that one more time, one more time. He is risen. All right, there we go. All right. We're here to celebrate the resurrection today, right? And so today, uh, I want to talk with you a little bit about how the resurrection of Jesus changes absolutely everything. And, and I know that is a, a big statement, everything, but I, but I really mean that. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything, everything for you and me. And so today I want to talk about how that is, but, but maybe you're here this morning and, and you say, you know what, P- Pastor, I'm not so sure about that because I'm not so sure I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And I get that. Uh, I see you, I understand why you, why you might be in that place this morning. And so today I want to spend a, a few minutes together talking about one of the biggest skeptics and how he encountered the risen Lord. I want to look at the resurrection together through the lens of the story of one man who did not believe it, who didn't believe it at all. He didn't want anything to do with it. He didn't believe it. He thought that all these Christians who placed their hope in this resurrected man, uh, that they were crazy. He didn't believe the resurrection. So I want to look at a passage together this morning and look at it through this lens, see through this man's story as he encounters the risen Lord Jesus as a skeptic. Today I want to talk about a man named Saul. If you've been with us, we've been walking over the last couple of years through the Gospel of Luke and then uh, kind of part two to that book in the Bible in the book of Acts. And we've been uh, walking through the book of Acts, talking about how the book of Acts is about all that Jesus continues to do through his people by the power of his spirit. And today I want to remind us that today what we're celebrating is the reason that Jesus continues to work through his people, because he is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is working in and through us. That's what the book of Acts is all about, is how Jesus continues to work through his people. And so this morning, we're going to look at a skeptic named Saul and see a little bit of his story and where Jesus meets him in the midst of it. And so I want to ask this morning uh, who Saul is, who Jesus is, and then we'll conclude by looking at why the resurrection really does change absolutely everything. And so if you'll turn with me in your Bible to Acts chapter 9, if you don't have one, it'll be on the screen this morning. Uh, You can follow along with us, or you can grab one out of the pew in front of you, and we'd love for you to uh, follow along as, as we work our way through it this morning. But Acts chapter 9, we come to the story of a man named Saul. And I'm going to read a couple verses and we'll talk for a little bit, read a couple verses and we'll talk and we'll go at it that way. But here's, here's how Luke, who's writing this book, tells us about this man named Saul, this great skeptic. Here's what he says in the first couple of verses. He says, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked, for him, asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So, so, so who is this man Saul that Luke is writing about? Who, who are we reading about here? Well, Saul is the same man who later in the Bible is described as Paul. 
Paul goes on to complete several missionary journeys, telling people all over the ancient world about the risen Lord Jesus and what he's done. Uh, for them, and, and then he goes on to write uh, a good portion of the Bible, actually. This, this skeptic, whose life is completely changed by the resurrection of Christ, ends up writing a good portion of the New Testament that we have today. And actually, the one who is telling us his story is one of his own disciples, one of his own friends uh, and followers that followed Jesus with him. Uh, And so as we read Saul's story, we're reading his story through the lens of his friend Luke, uh, who tells us how Jesus changed his life. But Saul, Saul was one of the biggest skeptics of Jesus that you could ever meet. He didn't believe what they said about Jesus for a second. Uh, In fact, he hated Christians. You know, you and I, you know, sometimes, sometimes Christians can be annoying, right? I mean, if you've, if you've never know, known an annoying Christian, then you haven't met enough of us, okay? We'll get on your nerves on occasion. It'll happen. Uh, but, but, but maybe you've been annoyed by Christians before. Well, I promise you that you do not hate Christians as much as this guy does. This guy hated Christians. He... Saul was going around dragging them out of their homes, throwing them in prison, and then watching in approval as they were executed. This was, this was a bad dude. He did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. He hated Christians. And his life is about to be completely changed by the resurrection of Christ. But why do I point this out? Why do, why do I pause and, and like spend some time talking about who this guy is? Why is this significant for us to know this morning? Because I want you to understand, as we talk about the resurrection, I want you to understand the type of man Saul was before you see how Jesus utterly changed his life so that you know this morning that he can change yours as well. I want you to see what Jesus does with a man who is so far from him that it's not even funny. He doesn't believe in what we're celebrating today for a second. I want you to see what Jesus does in his life. Because it gives us hope for you and me today as well. And so then we have to ask, okay, if this is who Saul is, Saul is this Hebrew of Hebrews, this devoutly Jewish man who doesn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, who, who in fact hates Christians and is persecuting them, doesn't want anything to do with this thing called the way or Christianity. He doesn't want anything to do with it. Then we have to ask, who is this Jesus that he meets? Because that's what Luke tells us about next. Uh, here's what it says in verses 3 through 9. It says, now as he went on his way, talking about Saul, he approached Damascus, and remember what Saul is going there to do, right? It said that he had asked permission from the high priest. He he had gotten approval to go to Damascus, so to leave his town, to go to another town, to imprison Christians there. He wanted to go get the Christians who were elsewhere and, and throw them in jail too, This is what Saul is headed to do. This is the purpose of his trip. I don't know if you've taken a trip in the last year or two. Uh, Maybe so, maybe not, but but I bet your trip wasn't wasn't like this. But this is what he's planning to do. This is what he's dead set on. 
It says, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. So who is this Jesus that Saul meets on the road to Damascus? Let's talk about Jesus for a minute. Saul, Saul was traveling to Damascus to arrest Christians, like I said, and, and Jesus interrupts his plans. This is often what Jesus does, isn't it? He interrupts our plans. We have plans to continue to, to go our own way in life, to do what we had planned to do, what we're determined and, and set on, and Jesus interrupts them. And moments that we often don't expect. Because Jesus is a person, a person who is alive, a person that we can have a relationship with. You see, the only reason that Saul's plans are interrupted is because Jesus is risen from the grave, because he is a person who is alive. He is, he is no mere good teacher or prophet. He, he's not just some guy. He's the risen Lord. How is it possible that, that Saul's plans would be interrupted, that ours would as well? The, the resurrection. Jesus isn't some dead man who did some cool things and, and, and said some, some nice stuff that we ought to remember and maybe we write it on a coffee mug or we jot it down and, and memorize it. He wasn't just an example so that we can have some hope of being a better person. If we'll just learn from him. No, Jesus, he wasn't merely a good man or a teacher. He's the risen Lord. Lord is what Saul calls him. Did you notice that? As this blinding light from heaven shines and knocks Saul on his butt. I mean, he's headed to Damascus, and this blinding light shines from heaven, and, and he's stopped in his tracks. And he asks, who are you, Lord? Lord means ruler. Saul, Saul doesn't yet know who this man is that's, that's appeared as a blinding light from heaven that's then speaking to him. He doesn't, he doesn't know who this is yet. But he knows one thing about whoever this is. He knows that they're Lord. He knows that whoever this is, he's a ruler. A ruler of what? Everything, including death itself. Saul didn't believe that Jesus was risen from the grave like his disciples had said that he was. Until this moment, when Jesus showed up in his life to interrupt his plans. I wonder if even today, 
If Jesus is showing up to interrupt your plans. I wonder if even today, maybe you can begin to sense that. That the risen Lord is, is beginning to speak to you. He's beginning to reveal himself to you. However you planned for this day to go, that maybe it's, it's already not going the way you expected. And maybe today you might be in the place where you ask the same question, who are you, Lord? And that Jesus might show himself to you today to be the resurrected king, to be the ruler over all, even in death and the grave itself. It's all planned to keep persecuting Jesus' disciples. But what he didn't realize was that Jesus is alive, and in persecuting them, he was actually opposing God himself. Did you, did you see how Jesus, what, what he asked Saul is, 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 Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, Saul hadn't thrown Jesus in prison. That we know of, Saul wasn't there at Jesus' crucifixion and his death. Saul had been arresting his followers. Saul had been throwing them in prison. Saul had been approving of their executions. And yet Jesus says to Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So, so what is Jesus doing here? What is he, what is he trying to point out to Saul? And, and what is he trying to point out to you and me today as we read this? Well, he's pointing out to Saul that, that as Saul has been sinning against others, he's actually been sinning ultimately against God himself. Jesus says that Saul hasn't been opposing just his people, but God, but him. And maybe today... May, Maybe you've never realized that you oppose God as well. And maybe that seems like, like kind of strong language to put on it. That, that in our lives we have opposed God. I can understand why that would seem strong, because it is, right? That's kind of weighty, that's, that's heavy, that's serious business to be opposing God. But you see, this is what we misunderstand about sin. You see, the Bible talks about sin as the one thing that separates us from God. That's it. That's what severs our relationship with him, what breaks it apart, what hides his face from us, is sin. And you and I, the way that we tend to think about our sin is, is we think about it just in terms of, of what we can see and hear right now, don't we? You see, but we, we don't realize is that when we cheat on our spouse, we're not just cheating on our spouse, but we're actually opposing the God who made them and loves them. When we steal from our company, we don't just steal from our bosses or our coworkers, but we steal from the God who provides all that we have. 
You see, when, when you and I, when we, when we sin in this life, we're not, just, we're not just doing something bad. We're opposing God. Saul, as he was persecuting the disciples of, of Christ, he wasn't just committing an act of evil against them. He was persecuting Jesus himself. He was sinning against Jesus. And, and so Jesus, as he reveals himself to Saul, he, he shows up and he shows Saul something about himself, something that is, isn't pleasant for him to recognize, something that's certainly not pleasant for us to recognize about ourselves as well. But something that is incredibly merciful and loving all the same. You see, one of, one of the most loving things that God will ever do for you is to show you the truth about yourself so that you'll turn and run to him. You see, we tend to think about life and, and death and heaven as though all, all it takes is just for us to, to, to be a pretty decent person, that, that all I need to do is, you know, have my good outweigh my bad. But the problem is, is that our good doesn't actually erase our bad, doesn't it? It doesn't make the things that we've done disappear and go away. It doesn't mean that there isn't value in, in doing good and doing what is right. What I'm, what I'm trying to point out is that we can't pay for our own sin against God. We need someone else who's able to do that. We need someone who's able to stand in our place. And, and, and Jesus, as he shows himself to Saul, he show, one of the first things he shows Saul is the truth about himself so that he will understand why he needs Jesus. Because if you don't know why you need Jesus, then, then why would you ever turn to him? So this is one of the first things that, that he points out to Saul is that, is that Saul actually needs him, what only he can provide through his cross and his resurrection. And today, maybe, maybe Jesus is showing you for the first time that, that this life, it hasn't just been about you. It hasn't just been about your loved ones, your friends, your coworkers, the, the people you see in here, though, though God has called us to, to love and be faithful and, and all these things. But, but maybe he's showing you for the first time the truth about yourself that, that maybe you've been found to be opposing God. Jesus shows up to radically change Saul's life forever. And it begins now with instructions to go wait until he's, he's told what he should do. And maybe the beginning of your relationship with Jesus starts today too. Maybe for the first time you hear his voice calling you to himself. And today's the day where you say, who are you, Lord? Where do I go? What do I do?
You see, we have to ask ourselves on a day like Easter Sunday, and really any and every other day, why, why is it that the resurrection of Jesus is it's so important? Why, is it that the resur- why does the resurrection change everything? That's what we started out our time together saying, right? Is that the resurrection changes everything. So, so why does it change everything? Well, as we read on, we read, Luke writes this for us about the continuing story of Saul as he encounters Jesus. It says, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Ananias has some objections, okay? He says, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Why does the resurrection change everything? This was the beginning of the rest of Saul's life. Everything had changed. This one moment where he encounters the risen Lord changes everything. And it was all because Jesus is alive. And and because he's alive, he really is Lord. We're introduced to a disciple of Jesus named Ananias. Ananias is, is a man who lives in Damascus. This is where Saul was headed, right? This means that he was one of the guys whom Saul was traveling there to arrest. He was headed to go get Ananias. And Jesus shows up, he he, he says, hey, Ananias, go to this guy. And Ananias is not cool with the idea at first. He says, Jesus, I've got a couple questions about this. He says, I've heard some things, and I just want some clarity here. Because Ananias knows that this guy was coming to get him. He knows who Saul is. And for Ananias, he can't possibly imagine that that this kind of person would ever change. Did you see what he said about what Saul did? He said that he had heard of the evil that Saul had done. Ananias hasn't heard that that Saul was kind of a rough guy and he did a couple bad things. Ananias had heard that this was an evil man, a man who was opposing God and his purposes. And Jesus tells Ananias to go to this man, that he's going to do something in this man. 
For Ananias, he, he, he just can't imagine that this kind of man would, would ever be saved and changed by Jesus. He can't imagine that Saul the persecutor would become Saul the disciple, evangelist, and apostle. He can't imagine that this man is going to go on and complete several missionary journeys, spreading the gospel throughout the ancient world, and then write most of the New Testament. Maybe there's someone that, that you can't imagine ever changing. Maybe you're that person. Maybe you can't imagine your life ever being changed by Jesus in this kind of way. You see, we're given Saul's story to demonstrate to us that the resurrected Lord can change anybody. Nobody is too far gone. Nobody is too much of a lost cause for Jesus, the resurrected king. Nobody. Ultimately, Ananias knows that Jesus really is Lord of all, even, even death, and so he does what Jesus tells him to do. He goes to Saul because Jesus tells Ananias that Saul has been chosen to take the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. So, so I want you to remember a few things here to, to, to really grasp the significance of, of what just happened. Jesus told his disciples in Acts 1-8, so the first chapter of this book, that they were going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And Jesus just told Ananias, it's ends of the earth time. It's time to go. It's time for the good news to spread everywhere. And Saul is going to be the one to take the good news there. You see, Jesus does what he promises he'll do. And Saul, remember, he, he is a Hebrew of Hebrews. That's how he describes himself at one point. He was a proud Jewish man who believed that the Gentiles were horrible sinners. And if I had to guess, I, I imagine that he probably felt about them about like he felt about Christians. And yet, the resurrected Lord so completely changes his life that he takes the good news to the people that he likely despises the most. That's some radical change. And lastly, Saul, Saul didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus until now. Now his whole life was going to be about proclaiming it to be true. He went from being the biggest skeptic to one of the biggest proclaimers of Jesus. Everywhere he went, this is what his life was going to be about, is proclaiming the resurrection is true. As long as he had breath in his lungs, this is what he was going to go to say. He would no longer cause suffering to those who believed in the resurrection. Instead, he would suffer so that others might believe it. Saul, then he, he receives his sight and the Holy Spirit. And immediately he's baptized, declaring his faith in the resurrected Lord. He gets baptized to declare that Jesus really is risen from the grave. And that because Jesus is risen from the grave, that he too can be risen to everlasting life as well. 
Saul's life was completely changed by the resurrection. The resurrection changed everything for Saul. Because that's what the resurrection does. It changes everything. Jesus interrupts your life, shows you who you are and who he is, and it changes everything. Because if Jesus is alive, then he's a person that you can have a life-changing relationship with. And if Jesus is alive, then sin and death really have been defeated, and there really is life in him. And and if Jesus is alive, then our plans give way to the greater and greatest purpose of proclaiming his resurrection. And that's exactly what happens in Saul's life. The resurrection changes absolutely everything for us. This is where our hope is. The only question today, the only one that matters because we know it changed Saul's life. But has the resurrection changed yours? Because today, Jesus is saying, come to me. Today, he's calling to you and saying, I'm alive. Place your trust in me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the ways in which you interrupt our plans, the ways in which you show up in the midst of a life that is sometimes confusing and hard, that you show up in the moments in which we need you most, that you reveal yourself to us, you show us the truth about ourselves, the truth about you that we too might be changed by your resurrection. That is our salvation and our hope. And so Lord, I pray for my friends who maybe, maybe very much like Saul have been skeptical about that. And I, I get it. And I just pray that in these moments and in the days to come, that you would show yourself to them. You would show yourself to be the resurrected king, the one in whom they can place their trust and their hope. Because you are alive. And that is what changes everything. We ask all these things in your risen, beautiful, redeeming name.